You are listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom. Soul Searching is a journey where I engage with faith leaders and academics to explore deep questions of meaning. Questions that all of us ask at some point in our lives, such as, why are we here? What is right and wrong? Is there good and evil? Is truth relative or absolute? Is there life after death? And to present and to help us in our journey this evening, we're very honoured to be joined by Pastor Joeen Hare, the uh, pastor at Christ Lutheran Church in Santa Fe. Pastor Joeen, welcome. Thank you, Rabbi Neil. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. Uh, it's good to see you, especially because people may not know that um, our communities are twin communities. So it's very special. Sister to have you congregations. Here. Sister congregations, yes. correct. So tell us the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the ELCA. It's one of the largest Christian denominations in this country, with around 4 million members and over 10,000 or nearly 10,000 congregations. So what's the appeal? What is it in the Lutheran Church that you think is so appealing to so many people? Well, first I want to mention that um, actually the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, is um, actually a very small segment of the Lutheran World Federation. We have almost um, 150 churches or Lutheran denominations in um, 99 countries. And over 75 million people claim to be Lutheran. Um, I think some of our um, attraction is historical. As of last year, last year we celebrated our 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And we came out of um, the Roman Catholic Church. In fact, Martin Luther did not want to start a new denomination, but wanted to reform what Mm -hmm. he saw as um, critical issues of the Roman Catholic Church back in their time. And um, to be honest, there's only a couple of points that um, still divide us. Mm -hmm. One is the um, papacy, um, the pope, and the other um, is ordination, including that of women. Um, They would obviously do not ordain women, whereas the ELCA does. And it has done for how long? For over... 25 years. Both of our predecessor bodies ordained women. Hmm. And that's interesting to me. When you say that there are a couple of things that still divide, Mm -hmm. what were the things at the time that he felt were so dramatically in need of reform? So the things that have been reformed since? I would say primarily, um, and theologians and historians might disagree with me, but the recognition of um, how we are saved, which is one of those loaded um, religious words, um, how, how are we able to stand before God? <clears throat> Excuse me. The Roman Catholic Church um, at that time believed it was by works. Mm-hmm. And um, there were acts um, of behaviors Um, for example, um, pilgrimages Mm -hmm. that would earn people um, time out of um, 
not hell, but out of this in-between. There was also um, something called indulgences where people could literally pay to buy time um, for their loved ones out of this in-between place, purgatory. And there was a big push by the pope at that time because he wanted to build um, St. Peter's as it exists today. And so he sent around um, an emissary who would go into villages and they would put on these plays and show people like burning in hell. It'd say, you want to get grandma or grandpa out of that? You know, here, pay whatever and they'll be, you know, sprung. And Luther, as a pastor, was greatly offended by that because, you know, most people were illiterate. Mm -hmm. Um, People, the the time he lived in was brutish. Um, People had very short lives and they were very fearful. And he opposed this idea and said, you know, um, it's all God's action. It's not ours. We're saved by grace through faith, the faith of Jesus Christ, not anything that we do or don't do. So let me ask about this, because Mm -hmm. in, um, in traditional Jewish thought, mitzvah, uh, commandment, good deeds, however you want to um, understand it. Uh, uh, Deuteronomy uh, asks, What does the eternal your God ask of you? Only to do these things, and then lists a lot of things, to walk in God's ways, to, to do all these things. Why, why take away physical acts as a means of redemption? Why? Because anyone can believe, I could be a terrible human being, I could do terrible things, but just believe, uh, and that will help me get, you know, saved. So, so how, <clears throat> what's the tension there? I understand. And I will say that my favorite verse is Micah 6.8. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your Lord. I think a major difference is, as Lutherans, we recognize or claim that there's nothing we can do to separate ourselves from the love of God who loves and created all, right. and that our responses are in gratitude for that love rather than to earn the love. Okay. It is in response to that love. And we confess, claim, that the Holy Spirit, the the third of our triune gods, um, is a gift that we receive, and that through the Holy Spirit, we are daily um, transformed, always imperfectly, um, but to do these acts of goodness and of kindness and of love. So, theoretically, someone who believes could not do an act of evil. Because the act is the testament, the personal testament of their own belief. Exactly. Exactly. I'm intrigued by, I wasn't necessarily going to ask you anything about this, but by virtue of the fact that you mentioned the ordination of women, Mm -hmm. and then you quoted Micah and you used Lord. Mm -hmm. What is it for you as an ordained Lutheran pastor who is a woman in what has traditionally been a patriarchal tradition? 
not without challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there are women who were ordained when they were young who are now retiring, within the length of the history of the church, um, I have been now ordained 12 years and um, came originally from Ohio. And I was the first ordained woman at the churches where I was called. Right. And to this day, um, it's still a bit of an issue. There are other Lutheran denominations, for example, the Missouri Synod, which does not ordain women. Ah. They don't recognize the ordination of women. So for that, they're closer to the Roman Catholic Church than they are to us. So then the Lutheran community exists on quite a spectrum of practice and belief. Very much so. Um, So saying Lutheran, you need to be clear, I am part of the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and I'm going to repeat evangelical evangelical, um, because it's a word that's been Mm co-opted in at least the last 50 years by um, what I will say the fundamentalist church in America, Mm -hmm. not the church that was created 500 years ago. And we within the ELCA are struggling with how to reclaim this word, or should we? Because when someone hears, oh, you're part of the evangelical church, Mm -hmm. they back away 10 Mm -hmm. feet, you Mm -hmm. know, not just the usual two feet. Because they assume that you don't accept them where they are. Agreed. And that you're going to try to to do whatever you can to change them. Have to to change that. Yeah. And there are churches that will say, oh, everyone is welcome. And then once people show up, well, except for this and this and this and this, then you need to change. Um, Within the ELCA, for example, In 2009, the national church, if you will, voted um, to allow the ordination of um, gay, lesbian, trans, um, and it was a decision that we still struggle with because we allowed people um, to follow their good conscience. Right. And so there are some congregations that say, do not send us. Uh Anyone who is not heterosexual, we do not want to interview them. And we at Christ Lutheran are a reconciling in Christ congregation, which means we have made a formal declaration that literally all are welcome, regardless of sexual orientation, gender, economy, um, racial origin, Mm -hmm. education, whatever. The ELCA... Um, I'm excited to say has just ordained our 16th woman bishop. We have geographical areas that are called synods, and each synod of the 65 has a bishop um, who is a pastor to the pastor, really not as much authority as the Methodists or Episcopalians. Um, However, we have just ordained our 16th, and two of those women are women of color. And in a denomination that is embarrassingly over 90% white, Mm -hmm. um, to have this fresh breath that we say the Holy Spirit, she is stirring among us, um, and our presiding bishop over the entire United States is also a woman. 
Right. Um, and that is bringing change because, well, how women approach issues, how women pastor is different mm. than men. And also exegesis, how we look at text. Agreed. You know, our sacred traditions, which um, part of which we share, which clearly have a patriarchal bias to them, to be able to bring out important feminist narratives and uh, and tropes, I think is really important for us. Also, recently I gave a sermon about how we only know half of the Bible and we only know half of God as a result. And and I, I wonder, it just it was interesting for me to ask this specifically because you use the word Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, I am very careful in leading prayers mm. um, when referring to God, I do not use he. And I don't necessarily use she. And it creates sometimes um, some awkward gymnastics. God God is presenting God's wills, for example. Um, And yet in the Hebrew text, I recognize the patriarchal language, and I'm not going to change that. I'm wrestling this week um, the text for Sunday – and I'll say we use um, something called the Revised Common Lectionary. We right. follow a three-year cycle with many of the mainline um, denominations and the Roman Catholic Church. Um, I'm looking at Genesis 2 mm-hmm. and Adam, <laughs> Adam, right. Right. you know, not man, no. um, but the, this neutral that has been corrupted, my word. Um, to stand for a man, and then this idea of God creating from a rib rather than from a side of and creating a helper. Mm-hmm. It's become, um, through the years, this understanding of a man and a woman as inferior to rather right. than being right. an equal helpmate. Right. And so it's reclaiming some of these, um, which were— originally patriarchal um, tax. This is fascinating. We're going to have to take a quick break, um, but we'll come back to discuss more of this. You're listening to Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich, and my guest this evening is Pastor Joanne Hare from Christ Lutheran Church in Santa Fe. You're back with Soul Searching on KSFR with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and my colleague and friend, Pastor Joanne Hare from Christ Lutheran Church, also a member of the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Yes. And so I'm... The Interfaith Leadership Alliance has become really quite involved in the local community. Um, yes. it, from its inception over 10 years ago when it set up the Interfaith Community Shelter. Um, and I, I can't help but notice when I look at the ELCA how much it talks about getting involved mm-hmm. in politics and in, in social justice. And I, I wonder if you can talk a little about about the importance in your community of of being involved not just in social justice but in politics as well because that's a real hot button for some people who say that you know religion should stay out of the politics. The church shouldn't be involved mm. in politics. So I'm yes. wondering I'm wondering your thoughts on this because it seems strongly the ELCA seems strongly political. Yes, one well we not, are not party political just to clarify. We are a public church and by that we believe that part of our call as um, believers and followers of Jesus Christ is to work to make God's kingdom 
become a reality now as we are able. And that means to work on behalf of our neighbor, in particular those who are oppressed, Mm -hmm. who are most likely um, ignored, marginalized. And so we have a call um, to speak out on behalf of those neighbors. Um, New Mexico is one of 14 states that has actually an advocacy or a public policy office. Mm -hmm. Our director, Ruth Hoffman, um, works tirelessly um, and with our colleagues um, in the um, United Council of Churches in New Mexico to bring about policy changes. Mm. We're not all about just works of charity. We are about bringing about change so that there are less needs for the work of charity. How do you determine that as a community? Because mm-hmm. um, I... Earlier, you were talking about the term evangelical having been taken co-opted, yes. co-opted by by more fundamentalist groups. Couldn't we all turn to scripture and say, but this is how I read it, and therefore I think policy should be shaped in this way? Couldn't somebody else from even from the ELCA say, no, policy should be shaped this way because of this verse? How, how do you come to decide This is the direction of the community. Lutherans historically have looked at Scripture through the lens of Jesus Christ. Luther said the Bible is the manger for Jesus Christ. We believe in Jesus Christ. We don't believe in the Bible. Ah, okay. So I will never say we're a Bible-believing church. We're a church of Jesus Christ. And so we give more weight, if you will, um, to Jesus's teachings. And Jesus very much followed the teachings of the Hebrew scriptures in terms of, going back to Micah 6.8, doing justice, loving kindness. We have nationally um, committees, if you will, and this comes up from congregations to the Synod to national Um, to look at particular issues. And then we will have a period of a couple of years of people, theologians, lay people, um, pastors, writing statements, social statements. And then these are released for review. Mm -hmm. And then there's a vote at the national um, convention, if you will. Those statements are then used to help set policy. Right. I will preach on policy, not on particular politicians. Right. I will address issues and concerns of our nation. Um, For example, the um, displacement of people coming into our borders without papers. Mm -hmm. And that that is the treatment that they are receiving is not. Christian. And as a nation who claims, and I would say this is wrongly, but claims to have um, or to be a Christian nation, then we should follow Christian teachings. So social policy Mm -hmm. or political um, vision is set not necessarily by exegesis, but by emulation. 
by specifically looking at his character and what he did in the Christian Bible to say here where he helped, you know, the poor and so on. So it, it's not necessarily taking Micah, although it might, that might oh, be complimenting. Oh, there is exegesis involved, yes. I would hate to have theologians listen to this and call <laughs> me up or, or email me all offended. No, we are um, – Scripture holds a very high value to us. Right. But I'm saying that when we – if we looked at two or three verses, that which reflects Jesus Christ is going to carry more weight than that which doesn't. I think that's a, that's a fascinating way to set policy, actually, um, because we can we can argue about interpretation of verses as much as we want, but when a when a, a narrative is present, it's mm-hmm. it's quite clear what that narrative is doing. Yes. When you're healing the sick or washing feet and, and so on, humbling, you know, I, I think that's quite that's a very powerful way of, of setting things. Actually. Yes. So um. So then, what's the limit? What's the line? Where do you, where where should a community not get involved in politics or a faith community specifically, um, as far as you are concerned? I do not think any pastor should specifically tell a congregation how to vote or who to vote for. Right. I will never say vote for you know candidate X. I will talk about candidate X's positions. Mm-hmm. and say, you know, this either is in line with or is against what we believe, I do encourage everyone to vote right. because it is a right and a responsibility. Lutherans have always been, um, since the days of Luther, involved in politics. Um, Luther lifted up the importance of the state um, as being a God-given gift Mm -hmm. and that if the state is not a benefit to the people, then it needs to be changed. It's so interesting for me to to hear that there's a similarity with our tradition of, you know, pray for the welfare of the government because mm-hmm. without it, people would eat each other alive. Yes. Um, but that doesn't mean necessarily directing in, in one particular way. So I, I appreciate that. And when you see evil in the government, mm. um, for example, we'll go back, you know, 100 plus years, slavery. There were Christian um, churches that said, oh, Scripture says dot, 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 and pull out you know, one or two verses of Paul about, you know, slaves obey your master. Right. And yet, looking at the greater narrative, as you said, of Jesus and of God desiring, um, we would say, abundant life for everyone, it is certainly anti-slavery. So in, in our final five minutes, you've, mm-hmm. just, you've just opened up a whole can w- by using the word evil. Mm-hmm. Because how we... Um, how we view evil today is often very different to how people viewed evil in the past and things that people were used to, we might now look back and say, no, that wasn't evil. Yes. So that leads to the question of of where from here in the sense of 
as communities change, faith communities change, including, as you mentioned earlier, ordaining women and, mm -hmm. and uh, bringing in people of, of color or of different sexuality and so on. Where we might have said in the past, this is acceptable. Some people are saying, no, that was actually an evil to hold people back. Where, where, is the, where do you see faith communities going or where do you see the ELCA going in the future? What, is, what are the things today that you look at and think this is an evil that needs to be addressed? What's, what's the future direction of at least your community? That's a very large question yes. in three minutes. But. Uh, not a problem. Um, looking at the wider community, I would say there's recognition of evil done in the past that we were either complicit or passive. Mm -hmm. And the need now to recognize and to speak out. Um, there's a movement within the ELCA um, called Decolonize, Decolonize Lutheranism. Right. Decolonize Lutherans. And they are primarily young people who are saying we need to take what is good of Lutherans and separate it from our ethnic heritage. Hmm. Um, within the Rocky Mountain Synod, um, of which Santa Fe is part, we are – becoming very involved in disputing the doctrine of discovery. Mm -hmm. And that is recognizing um, that prior to Lutherans, um, a papal bull rule said that Christians are superior to all others and therefore we can claim whatever we want in quote-unquote new lands. Right. And – the reality now is that anyone who owns land in America or even rents is a benefactor um, benefits from this doctrine of discovery. Mm -hmm. And so we're looking at ways of helping people first become aware of this reality and educate and then what actions can we take. Um, and this past year we've had a lot of speakers. I just came back um, – from a lead, uh, gathering of leaders and um, went through a, a five-week Bible study that I'm excited about taking to the ILA. It's about repudiating the doctrine of discovery. And yes, it's Christian, um, not interfaith, but the reality is this evil came out of Christianity. Which in turn, one might say, when you look at the Hebrew Bible, talking about going into the land of Canaan and what the justification for the, the theological justification of of wiping out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the, you know, yes. all of these peoples because God gave you the land. And one of the, the steps of the Bible study is looking at verses such as that mm -hmm. and looking and saying, you know, is there any good word that we can take out of that? You know, this this. Yes. Just go ahead and expulse uh, – just kill off all of these people and you claim the land. Right. Well, how can we look at that? Is there anything good that we could take out of that? 
I really look forward to that discussion. I think that's going to be really interesting. I think it's very important for our time and particularly for our place when we have meetings and、um, we have members of tribal communities who start by saying, let's recognize this is our land. Yes.、Um, and I think this is, this is going to be a very interesting discussion. Yes.、Um, and I'm excited to bring that to the ILA. Well, look, thank you.、Um, thank you, Pastor Joanne Hare from the Christ Lutheran community,、uh, from our sister congregation.、Um, thank you for your really profound answers to today's questions. And I, I genuinely hope that you'll be able to come back and we'll be able to discuss more. Rabbi Neil, thank you for having me, and I look forward to coming back. So, you've been listening to Soul Searching with Rabbi Neil Amswich from Temple Beth Shalom and from the Interfaith Leadership Alliance of Santa Fe. Until we return again in two weeks' time. Keep searching.